Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. This week we're discussing something you might not have ever thought about in this exact way. I know I certainly hadn't. So what are we talking about? Underwear. But honestly, really and truly, what we're talking about is trans freedom. Hi, I'm Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the anti-gravity that keeps me from getting too weighed down, Susan Bridges. Am I anti-gravity? No, you're anti-gravity. You're my anti-gravity. Am I? Yes. All right, maybe. This isn't where you're supposed to argue with me. I'm just commenting. Anyway, cis isn't a bad word, and if you think so, you're probably a bad person. And there you go again. Okay. All right. It's your mantra. Yes. Our guest this week is Alexis Susie. She's a growing YouTuber and model who focuses on trans visibility by sharing her life experiences on her channel, Trans Cinderella. She's also an avid Lego builder who spent a year building large-scale models for Legoland parks and resorts all over the world. When she's not building Lego, she's building and fixing WordPress websites for her day job. Wow. Welcome. Lego. Neat. Hello. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. And that was the most adorable introduction I've heard from you guys yet. Aww. Flatterer. Okay. Um, so I've got to ask you, what the heck is being a YouTuber like? Because it's so far outside my realm of experience. Like, you know, video still gives me dysphoria. And so I'm not sure I could manage it even outside of that, though, because I, I just don't know anything about it. I, I know nothing about that world. What is it like? <laughs> well, heck, I'm trying to keep this uh, curse free. Heck. Hell is, is okay. The... That's PG-13. Okay. The, you can right. say so hell. 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 Like, I, I've had to take several breaks over the course of doing this, and it's almost entirely because you get these, like, certain videos will get popular, or, you know, just find the right audience, especially short. It seems short form content where the hate really comes in. Really? And it, it, I think it's just because the nature of like, like TikTok and. Okay, sure. Inst Instagram reels, like they're literally all the same. Everyone just makes a TikTok and then posts it everywhere else. So it, it gets that, it's that quick release. And so there's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to comment and then I'm going to go away. And because most people all, all clap back and they just don't say anything. But mm. it's the the waves of hate comments can get really rough. Although yeah. I have found, at least lately, when I post on Instagram instead of YouTube or like I don't I don't I'm not even really on Twitter anymore. But it's like it really depends on the platform. So like with YouTube, I I notice a lot more transphobia like right out of the gate. Outside of that, Instagram's really pretty chill. And it what it comes down to is content moderation. Yeah. So you yeah. have like we've seen that we're seeing this now with Twitter. It's and it's why I left Twitter basically is, you know, as as you loosen the rules and allow people to say terrible things, 
it gets nasty and it gets nasty fast. Yeah. Like the only reason I can still be on Twitter is because before Musk took over and blocked like third party sites from being able to interact with it, I used a transphobe block account that blocked 300,000 people. It was all people that would follow giant like transphobe accounts. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's like almost a peaceful experience. And it's gotten a little worse since he took over. A few get through the cracks, you know, they, they reinstated a bunch of people that they had banned for transphobia and things. So that's not great, but it's it's. I do think, though, that there's some similarities now between YouTube and Twitter with the For You tab, where it's just serving up the hate and yeah. whatever's going to exactly. get the engagement. And so right. those are really getting very similar in a very bad way. Yeah. Like the For You tab, if I don't notice I'm on it right away, I'm like, why am I suddenly enraged and horrified? Oh, right. Yeah. 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 It's bad. The one, th the one good thing about YouTube compared to some of the other social media platforms, and really the same is like Instagram. Basically, Twitter's the only one that does this is you can't like retweet a YouTube video. Like you have to like go through the work of copying the link and going and pasting it into the other app. And then do, like, you have to do work yourself. Whereas mm -hmm. on Twitter, you can literally just hit a button and just spread it to a million people. That's where like, I had this experience recently and it was kind of like the nail in the coffin for my Twitter experience where I was on, I was on my own personal break, but I had sent a picture to my wife the night before talking about how I was feeling dysphoric when I was, I was out with some friends and she shared it that night and asked people to compliment me. And I was like, Oh, that's really nice. And she said, everyone's being really sweet. Cause she largely has a very positive following a lot of trans people as well. And yet the next morning, it was a just absolute flood Somehow a an a big anti-trans account had gotten a hold of it and yeah. it, the, the tweet had gotten, even though she has less than 2000 followers, her tweet had almost a hundred thousand views. Oh my God. The quote tweets were over, were several thousand at that point. And I was wow. like, okay, well, we're just going to go in and delete this. And that's when I was like, I'm, I'm out for good. Like you might see me tweet YouTube link videos and that's it because that that's kind of the reality of being a, a visible trans content creator because even yeah. when you if you share your appearance and you sh like you're gonna get the comments even mm -hmm. when you know like passable is such a whole is I, i'm sure you've done like six episodes on it it's such a whole <laughs> it, it, it's whole it's such a huge topic yeah and it's it's such and it's such a nuanced thing but it's like i even had a guy literally yesterday on an instagram video i posted like two weeks ago that comes in is like I was talking about using the bathroom at Disney World and how literally no one blinked no one said a word no one even mm -hmm. now is as stealth as could be because I go in there I do my business and I leave if I'm gonna get on video or anything like that obviously I'm gonna do it out of the bathroom yeah and his comment was oh well you must have been re really well disguised or something like that and I'm thinking <laughs> um <laughs> Like this is a live, this is a video of me standing outside the bathroom. You can see what I look like. If you think that's a good disguise, uh, I got news for you. That's what I look like every day. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's weird because I've I've gotten that a few times too, where people like transphobes will leave a comment and they'll be like, "You're never ever ever gonna pass," and it like blows their minds when I'm like, "I don't care." 
I don't care yeah. if I go past. I'm happy to be who I am. Shut up and go away. The trolling is like so stupid. Like that they're the least creative people on earth. It's like the same two things all of them say. And I'm just like, get new material. Well, it's at like least funny, be like, creative. I mean, even in my experience it. of being a woman on the internet. Yeah. Like someone once posted like my profile picture. And I'm like, is this a gotcha? I mean, it's my profile picture because I think I look good. <laughs> you put it there. Like, yeah, exactly. It, right. What is this supposed to be? It's so weird. There are two guarantees on Twitter when you're a trans woman. You're going to get people saying you're not a woman or or you'll never be a woman. And yeah. then you'll get dudes sliding sliding into your DM saying, uh-huh. hey. Yeah, the chasers. <laughs> it's, hey. And it's always the same. Hey. Or yeah. hey, gorgeous. <laughs> Hi. Hey, beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, it, yeah. pick a lane. Like, and a lot of times those same guys. <laughs> Three comments later, when you've not when you've not even responded because I haven't logged in in a week, be like, oh well, you know, you're ugly anyway. Like, right, uh-huh. right? You're just like you. Okay, okay. And that that's to me that's actually really gender affirming because I know that that cis women get that all day long. <laughs> so true. it's like you know, yep. thank you for you know proving my point. Like, yeah, yeah. I, you see me as a woman, so thank ex- you. Exactly. Well, we could go on about that all day, oh, but yeah. we have yeah, a we show, could. so so let's move a little further on. And I want to ask you. Alexis, for you, what has been the best thing about transitioning? You know, I th- I've listened to enough episodes of the show that I knew this question was coming. Yeah, yeah. And I, I wanted to give a not the same response because I know a lot of people's, oh, it's like, you know, finally getting to be myself. And that is amazing. But for me, the best thing is being able to be a mom instead of a dad. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? The... <laughs> And it took me a long time to really understand that because as I was transitioning, even before transition, and I've actually, I've gone through the process of beginning a social transition and then detransitioning, taking a few years off and going, no, I really, really do need to do this. Where it was, I had a hard time really dealing with my kids and connecting with them. And it wasn't, and even as I began transition and, you know, they were asking me like, well, you know, do we call you dad? What do do we call you? And I was like, yeah, just keep calling me dad. That's what you're used to. And then I saw the Queer as Folk episode. I think it's, it's either the second to last or the final episode of the reboot series where Ruthie goes through this process because she's home alone with the kids and she's panicking and she picks one of them up and it it says the one of the kids says their first word and they say mama yeah and i just lost it and it was like i finally felt figured out what it was and it was that click and now we're going through that process with our kids like getting them used to changing like what they call me and you know sometimes they're good with it other times they're like but you said and i'm like (laughs) yeah i know but like just like me things change yeah. So going through that process and being seen as kind of more of the the nurturing type and the caring type, which is doubly hard because I have my wife here who's been a mom for yeah, 12, right? 12 years now. And it's like it's complicated. I, I'm not trying to replace her, yeah. but it it's so affirming and she's been great with it. And she really wants the kids to see me as a mom as well. And, you know, I, I still have that switch in the back of my head. I can flip it and like, nope, time to go be dad mode for a minute because, the, you know, somebody's got to. But, you know, most of the time, the, you know, and the kids see that and they appreciate it. And the longer we've gone through it, it's been probably the best, easily the best part of my transition. Yeah, it's it, it's been a really magical thing. I mean, I did that, you know, whole episode about about Mother's Day and how complicated it was for me. But 
So I, I'm so glad that it's it's gone so well for you. It's It was one of those things that I never thought about even before transitioning. We had a kid first, you know, and it was just there's so much going on in your head. It wasn't a thing that had even occurred to me at first. And then afterwards, I'm like, oh, geez, what what do we do now? And so it was exactly. Yeah, it's it's a really weird, complex thing. But and I kind of hate how gendered parenting is. Well, yeah, kind of it is weird, right? Like, we never really fell into those roles. Weird, right? Like, well. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I just didn't get it. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, strange. That, that was a big part A big part of it for me with my first wife is, like, we had very... Because I was already, in a lot of ways... She'll, she'll never hear this, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's kind of a transphobe, so... Oh, no. Yeah. Yikes. So it's like, she... She was always kind of more of the dad in a lot of ways. I was the one being more of the nurturing parent. So anytime that I did turn into like, you know, the disciplinary dad, my kid just kind of laughed at me. Like hmm. literally one time she just stood there and laughed at me. And I was like, well, that hurts. And I didn't <laughs> understand why. Yeah. But now I do. Cause it's like, she just, that's just not my vibe. And yeah. So it's, it's been really interesting to see that role shift and like, at, for long for a long time it it would have worked for us because just because that's she's just a, a more of a stern person and I'm more the like happy fun one and you you shouldn't have to just because of your gender be forced into oh no you have to be the you know the angry authoritarian because exactly I, right it, it just doesn't make sense yeah gender roles are bad all over exactly but okay so on the flip side of the coin then what's been the worst thing about transitioning or, or one of the hardest parts for you well, I live in Florida. Okay, that, that takes the case, So, right? yeah, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that it was, it's one of those things that for the longest time I watched as it, it, the debate over gay marriage and things like that yeah. happening here in this state. And it seemed pretty chill because Flor Floridians for as the, the reputation we have now it's been a big shift over the last couple of years. And it we all know where it's coming from with DeSantis uh -huh. and his presidential yep. aspirations. And so it was such a huge change because like we have gay days here in Orlando every year. Girls in Wonderland is here every year and like at the same time too. So it's like, like literally two weeks ago, it was just the gayest city in the country. And hmm. on top of that, I watched this city go through Pulse. Yeah. And so yeah. I, like, and I have connections to it in like, not directly, I didn't lose anyone, but I had friends that did and being there and supporting them and watching our community come together. And really, it, it's been interesting to see because I don't think Orlando was necessarily identified as one of the gayest cities in America prior to Pulse, but after it certainly has. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's just because the mayor embraced it. We have we've had a lesbian on the city council for years, and she's been very open and vocal and very supportive and very supportive of the trans community. She shows up to all the protests at City Hall. So it's it's a very, very queer inclusive city, and it's only gotten more inclusive as time's gone on. Like when other cities are are canceling pride in the wake of all of these these new laws, Orlando came out both the city and the organization that runs the pride festival because ours is in October because of the heat. They okay. have straight up said multiple times. Now we are not canceling. We are still having it. The city is fully behind us. And so it's, it's, it, it kind of feels like we're playing chicken with DeSantis 
Yeah. And we're seeing that as the every everything that he's pushed has gotten defeated in court. And so it's just it's more of a waiting game. But that yeah. waiting game now that it's directly affecting my ability to get medication. Yeah. Is is not fun. like I had one of one of my surgeries that I had was because we saw this coming. I, I had friends that are are no longer in the state house as staffers because she's left the state. But she told me, like, okay, we this is the law that passed this year. Next year, you have to watch out because it's going to get a lot worse. And so I went and I had my Orky because I wanted to minimize the impacts of losing access to HRT. Yeah. And so that's- it's that's been hard going through having to suddenly trigger a GoFundMe and blow through my, you know, my insurance out of pocket maximums when I was working a job that really didn't pay very well. And all of that was, uh, was not fun. I'm still dealing because right after that, because again, I live in Florida, a hurricane destroyed my house. (laughs) So it was like, and so it's like, I'm kind of stuck dealing with like the worst of this at the worst possible time. And to me, it's it's also a sign because I know there are several trans people here in Orlando and the general central Florida area that are going through the same thing like as far as dealing with hurricane damage and that stuff and it just shows the resilience of our community because we might not be able to support each other financially but i i can't think of a community that is more supportive of each other emotionally under the right circumstances there's a lot of infighting we've we could go on and on about that but yeah but at the same time i've met so many people through this fight for our our rights stuff that i've done through my medical team's office and things like that where people i didn't i'd never met before and suddenly now we're you know we talk all the time on facebook and we can connect with each other and so it's like the worst things that have happened to us have really helped bring us together and really grown the community and connected us and so as much hate as we're going to get i'm still going to find a positive out of it yeah, there's always a, a silver lining to things that you can find. I mean, it, you it's not good that these terrible things happen, but the, the fact that we're always there to help each other through it is is a big part of why any of us get through it, I think. So that's a, it's a really agree. important thing. Yeah. Okay, so after this episode, if people would like more of Alexis, where may they find you online? Uh, basically, search Trans Cinderella and you'll, you'll probably find me. Like I said, I'm not very active on Twitter, although that used to be like kind of my internet home i'm much more active on instagram and obviously youtube and i don't really do tiktok because i i've heard too many horror stories i know it's really big really big and popular but i also know that the mass reporting problem is big there and so like you'll just lose your account no matter how big it is because the transphobes decide oh that's the new target for this week and i've some people have bigger people have gotten their accounts back but i don't want to go through that so. Yeah, understandable. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think the more the most interesting one is I think she's based in LA. Her name is Rosalind Montoya. I believe she was really I used to follow her on Instagram and she was really big on TikTok and all of a sudden one day lost her over 100,000 follower account because of Oof. mass reporting. And wow. she did there was a whole story on I think the LA Blade about it. So. Wow. Okay. Well, I I have no intentions of getting on TikTok since video is still very dysphoric for me, but now that, yeah, that's an extra good intro to have. Okay, so there are some prerequisites for this week's topic. 
I mean, you don't have to experience these other Trans Tuesdays first. I can't force you because I'm not the boss of you. All I'm saying is that they'd help a lot. So definitely check out the Trans Tuesday on heavily gendered clothes and trans people, which was also episode 15 of this podcast. But also pretty vital to what we'll be discussing and something nearly every trans person has to deal with at some point is the Trans Tuesday on tucking and binding. I'm sure you're already familiar with the ways underwear is so incredibly gendered in our society. You can't really exist in this society without being aware of it, which is kind of odd when you think about it for two seconds. But also, I want to remind you that for me, as a trans woman, I could not so much as think about stepping outside without having to pause and think about my underwear and my junk. Which underwear am I wearing? Am I tucked? Will I get assaulted if not? Having to stop and think about your undies before going anywhere or doing anything outside your home is a very real thing trans people have to deal with, especially trans women. And if you're cis, I want you to stop and think for a moment how entirely weird that would be for you. Tucking was extraordinarily uncomfortable for me for a long time. Physically, I mean, not emotionally, though it definitely can be that too for a lot of trans women. And it was a reminder every second I was out that I was trans and had to literally hide part of myself for society. I couldn't ever not feel it, especially when walking or sitting down or just existing. And that's a really awful thing to have an actual constant reminder of. Nobody walks around thinking about their genitals every second of the day. But it's a thing a lot of trans women are kind of forced into. So Alexis, I wanted to ask you about this kind of touchy topic, I guess. But what is your experience with tucking been? Did you tuck? Did it help? Do you hate it? Where do you fall on that? So it, it's such an interesting thing because the discourse around this topic is so weird. Mm-hmm. And it, you're right. Like, you don't think about it. Like, you don't think about your genitals most of the time. Like, most people don't. Yeah. I try not to like it, but sometimes when I put like, I'll put on, I'll put on a dress and I'll be like, and the first thing I do is like, look down and be like, okay, is this showing? Like, do yeah. I need to tuck? Right. Cause I don't like to like, it's, it's very uncomfortable. Yep. It's, it's less of an issue now that I've had my Orky, but it's still, it feels weird. And yeah, especially like, oh, it's like, am I going to have to sit a lot? Because people are going to be yeah. like, are you okay? Like it, are you comfortable? I'm like, no, I know I'm not, <laughs> but I'm, but I can't tell you why. Yeah. You know, and I actually re- very recently, I explained the process of tucking to my wife. I just watched as her face got like more and more pale and shocked because she's like, <laughs> what do you do? What? I, I didn't know that was possible. Like, and just by the end of it, she's just shaking her head like, I'm so sorry that yeah. you've ever had to go through that. And it's when when people learn what it what it really is like, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, so, I, remember, I, I avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. When I did the the Trans Tuesday on tucking and binding, I asked cis people, like specifically cis men, to try it, to get a perspective on what's going on. And only two people that I know said that they did and both were like, I resent life now. You know, they were they were shocked. So if if you're a cis person listening and you want a tiny window into some of what we have to deal with, look up that post maybe. Yeah. Read and and keep an open mind and experiment and see because it's not fun. But before we talk more 
about genitals and underwear, which I know you're also excited <laughs> to hear more about, I, I want to take a small diversion to roughly touch on other ways that trans people have our freedoms restricted. The big one for most of us is gender dysphoria, which is oppressive and painful and for some completely debilitating. It prevents you from living your life and can make every waking moment a living hell. You can see the Trans Tuesday on it for more info. And if you're cis, you may not understand how that restricts your freedom. So for comparison, please see the Trans Tuesday on Into the Unknown, a.k.a. A Whole New World, a.k.a. What is Happening, when I got to experience the world for the first time without dysphoria. And you can see the Trans Tuesday on Freeing Up My Brain, a.k.a. Lunch with Tilly, for more on how the lack of or lessening of dysphoria finally freed me up to experience so much of what I'd been missing in life. And that's a lot, I know, but I think you need it, because what you'll see in those is how restrictive life with dysphoria is, and all the tangible ways my life improved when my freedom increased due to my dysphoria finally dissipating. And oh my god, Tilly, that's so many past Trans Tuesdays. Are you going to link them all? Okay, listen, listen, listen. I'm trying to show you how incredibly restrictive our society makes existing as a trans person. I want you to really, really get it. Every day, everywhere we go, every place we are, we are constantly caged and locked down by dysphoria and society in so many different ways. Being trans shouldn't be hard. It's only difficult because society makes it that way. And you, you touched on this a bit before, Alexis, but are there other ways that you found your freedom has been restricted, specifically because you're trans and living in Florida is, <laughs> I understand, a very big part of it? Yeah, the biggest thing is is, is the bathroom fear, I think, for a lot of yeah. us. I mean, now it's 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 a legal issue in a lot of states. Yeah. Especially here in Florida. And what's even more upsetting is the amount of fear-mongering that's happening as a result of it. Like I I've been studying the Florida bathroom law, like reading through the text, talking to my my legislative friends. I'm mean, like, okay, you guys were in the room where it happened. Can you explain what is really in this text? What do they mean by this? Because what a lot of people don't know is like the Florida bathroom bill doesn't apply to the vast majority of public places. It applies to schools. It applies to government buildings or yeah. government owned slash leased buildings. So like here in Orlando, the Orange County Convention Center where Megacon is happening. Yeah, it's actually a problem because it's owned by the city. And right. so, it, and but if it was a privately owned facility, like let's say you go to a hotel that is has a convention center like at Disney, you're completely in the clear. You go to Disney World, you're in the clear. You go to the mall, you're in the clear. You go to Target, you're in the clear. Although don't go to Target now, I guess. Like <laughs> it's like it's as hard. Like our freedoms are being restricted by our uh, by our own community because I have people on social media telling me, "Oh, I you know if I use the bathroom in Florida, I'm gonna get arrested." It's like. No, that's that's not how that works. And it's why I'm doing a video on it very soon, because it's the community also likes to use the the scare tactics, because I think they we've kind of trained cis people to only believe us in worst case scenarios. Like mm. we need to paint the picture like the world is ending and it could happen to you. So you have to help us. And it it shouldn't be that hard. And a lot of that is really on cis people for making us being basically constantly hyperbolic. Yeah, but it can also really hurt the community and hurt freedoms as well, because there are people that are essentially fleeing the state saying, oh, well, it's not safe for me here. And I mean, there are legitimate safety concerns. 
especially yeah. with the, the the growing wave of bigotry that is making us unsafe. That's the real yeah. way our freedoms are being restricted, if we're being honest. But like, I know in most cases, and that's why this Instagram video I did a couple of weeks ago, and as it's even as it's blown up, it I've I've seen the the hate comments are all really generic. They're but when I was at Disney, where you know literally all around the world people are coming from, people of all different political spectrums, nationalities, races, religions, whatever, they're all using the bathroom and nobody blinks blinks at me. Yeah. Nobody says a word. So are our freedoms really being restricted in that sense? A lot of it just comes down to the the way our our online rhetoric is making us feel unsafe and i think the the community needs to be a little bit more aware of how we're hurting ourselves and how we're hurting our own community with the language that we choose to use and not informing ourselves as well because i think we're we're all part of it also comes from rather than like read the bills ourselves we're relying on a cis writer to you know from the washington post or the new york times to write a piece Hopefully they've done their research and don't have an agenda and actually sharing that stuff, yeah. you know, and especially with, you know, it's the New York times, you never know. So. Yeah. I mean, you kind of know. <laughs> and it's, it's not easy. It, it It's not hard to find the, the bills themselves. And I, you can say, oh, well, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Like you shouldn't have to be a lawyer to understand the laws that directly impact your life. And if you actually look at a lot of these bills, they're not written in language that's like crazy legalese and everything like even things like the bathroom bill have very clear definitions. It says, oh, you know, like the first thing will say public, you know, or a public place. And you could you could just read that line and go, well, see anywhere I go in public. But then two pages down, a public building is defined as and then it explains something owned by right. the government. You know, I don't have it off the, off the top of my head, but it's the, all the definitions are there. So if you do a little bit of your own research, you know, we've, you did an episode recently about the anecdotal nature of trans healthcare. Yeah. Like, why is it we, we are so willing to do our own research and be advocates for ourselves when it comes to our medical situations, but we don't do it for our legal situations. And I really think we need to do a better job with that. I think you are right. But I also think that even having to do these things you know, is another restriction on our freedoms because we shouldn't have to, because cis people certainly don't, you know, have to read up out a lot to see where you can be. I absolutely agree there too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was part of the conversation thing. I was having. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, we shouldn't have to do this. Right. So how the ever loving heck does that relate to underpants? Well, let's bring it back around. Did you notice I've been talking about things in the past tense? Good ears. Something's changed. If one of the ways I'm restricted is that I always have to think about my junk and my undies, freedom comes into play when I no longer have to do that. I mentioned in the Tucking and Binding Trans Tuesday that I'd found Tuck Buddies on Etsy. They make undies for trans women to assist with tucking, and they worked okay. They helped. But it was still tucking, and there's a link to the Tuck Buddies Etsy store in the show notes if you'd like to check them out. I didn't wear them all the time, just when going out, and as I mentioned in that Trans Tuesday on heavily gendered clothes... I already had non-tuck specific women's underwear that I wore all the rest of the time, but I'd have to stop and think about which I had on before going out. And even still, I couldn't wear my women's undies or the tuck buddies on my runs, which are very much still about maintaining the body that I want to have as part of my transition, which I talked about in the Trans Tuesday on Body Hacking, which was episode 9 of this show. 
So on my runs, I'd have to wear my old boy undies, either under running tights or biking shorts and with another pair of loose shorts over them to hide everything. And let me tell you, every day having to put boy underwear back on destroyed me. It made me feel like absolute trash, dysphoria everywhere. And while some trans women tuck for their own benefit, some of us, myself included, do it only so cis people will not harass or assault us. And even still, we get stared at and it sucks. And yes, there's a Trans Tuesday on staring too. Don't do it. It's bad. A while back, a few trans lady friends told me about Leo Lines, another company on Etsy making undies and swimsuits for trans women. These ladies felt they may have worked a bit better, and though expensive, I gave them a try. There's also a link to the Leolines Etsy store in the show notes. So I got a pair, and the first time I put them on, I could tell they were different. They don't work for everyone the same. It's going to depend on the cut and the style and your anatomy. But for me, they are magic. I no longer have to tuck, ever. Mind you, I have to situate things differently than I used to, but it's not remotely a tuck. I just pull them up and that's it. That is it. I don't have to feel uncomfortable and be thinking about my crotch every second of the day I'm out of our apartment. I don't have to stop and think about my underwear before leaving to go anywhere. What kind of a sentence even is that? Goodness, nobody should ever have to do that, yet here we are. And I don't have to do it anymore. I am free. I immediately ordered several more pairs, and now they're all I wear. And I got to thinking, what if, what if I tried them on my runs? I can't run while tucked, but I'm not tucked, so it should be doable, right? Let's give it a go. Listeners, friends, loved ones, I'm here to tell you I can even wear them when running. I don't need to have bike shorts or running tights over them. In the summer, when it's 85 and above outside here in Los Angeles when I'm running, Having undies and then spandex bike shorts to tamp things down and then running shorts on top of it was oppressively hot. It was miserable, but I had no choice. And now I do. I have options. I have freedom. I can just wake up in the morning, not have to change my undies, much less put boy undies on, pull on my running shorts and sports bra and tank top and go. And that is freedom. Even this little bit has helped so much. It has further freed up my brain from having to worry about if I'm tucked good enough to be safe, if I have the right underwear on, or if I'm going to be miserably uncomfortable all day. It's freed me from having to keep and wear the very last vestiges of clothes I was forced into for my entire life. Clothes that made me miserable. Clothes that made me feel like I was drowning again, even though they were under women's running clothes. But they are gone. They weigh me down no longer. And I was so happy to finally be rid of them, I took a photo of them in the trash to cherish forever. And if a photo of boy boxer briefs in uggo colors dumped in a trash can would bring you joy, you can see it in the Google Doc and social media versions of this Trans Tuesday. Thanks for being here, Alexis. <laughs> Thank you for having me. That was so relatable. So relatable. Right? <laughs> like, And it's funny because... I, I do. I've saved a few specific pairs of my boy underwear, yeah. um, specifically boxer briefs, and it's because we spend a lot of time at Disney. I know, shocking, Trans Cinderella, and <laughs> you know, it's not the most. Women's underwear is amazing, but you know, there's a chafing problem that I, I think often gets ignored, and boxer briefs are a very good fix for that for me. And 
so if especially if I have to wear like jeans, like that's another way for me to avoid it. And so I still keep a few, but they're like super comfortable. And so it it somehow doesn't give me dysphoria because I don't see them as I try not to look at them as as men's underwear. I look at them as just bike shorts mm-hmm. that I just happen to have. Plus, they were a gift from my mother-in-law, like right as I started transitioning, and she just didn't know what to do. And she's like, I, I think these will be okay. I was like, I, I can make it work. Like, I didn't want to be rude. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I I can find a way. And they've they've been really convenient. But at the same time, I absolutely understand that feeling of like, oh, no, just this feels wrong. There's a certain, certain ways clothes just hit you that you're like, no, like I can't wear men's cut t-shirts. Like, I just can't. Yeah. Cause I, I'm like, time. oh my God, like most of the time when I'm wearing a tank top, like it's like, yeah, I, I do have boobs. But when I wear a men's cut t-shirt, because that extra room isn't there to, for it to fall properly, it just flattens me out and I'm not that big as it is. So it's yeah. like, oh, oh yeah, no. So it, I completely understand the, the way that underwear deeply affects us. Well, as my final thought, I just want to say that when the society that we live in restricts trans rights at every turn, when we have to check the bathroom situation of every new place we go to, when we have to worry that every stranger might misgender us or worse, the smallest things get magnified in importance. Because they let us say, even if just in one small way, you cannot stop me. I am free. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Jillian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash Tilly S. Bridges, and on Insta at heck yeah Tilly Bridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at Tilly'sTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Tilly Bridges. Your nope, I jumped ahead. Okay, look, like I've never done this before. Leave this in, Julie. Hold on. Okay, stop it. It's funny. All right. Okay. <laughs>